0: Welcome to episode 40 of the Abstract Sports Podcast, where we're bringing sports back to life with a unique perspective on the game from abstract yet popular angles. We're coming at you live on Facebook. Please share this broadcast with your friends and family if you're watching right now on Facebook and uh, um, also share it later. I don't care. Do what you want. Um, But be sure to spam those Facebook emojis and let's get this party started, all right? Let's go. All right, guys, let's get this show on the road. We've got a lot to talk about today, and as a one-man team right now, it's going to take me a bit to get through it, so feel free to add to the conversation in the comments on Facebook. Um, If you're listening or watching on YouTube after the fact, feel free to drop some comments. Let us know what you think about certain topics we're talking about, and we'll uh, mention your comments uh, before each show every Wednesday at 9 o'clock Eastern time here on Facebook, facebook.com slash abstract sports, and uh, let's get this thing rolling. Uh, I'm not going to lie, I don't, I don't have anything to talk about for hockey or baseball today. We're going to jump right into some Olympics action. This is something that I've been wanting to cover the last several weeks, um, and I mean, if you were here for the last podcast, I kind of gave you a state of the things, or the general state of things, and uh, where we're at with the, the podcast and everything. But a few weeks back when the Super Bowl was around, me and Micah, or Micah and I, I don't care, grammar, whatever, I don't care. Uh, We did our Super Bowl prediction, and then after that, I came down with the flu, so I was gone for a couple weeks. My voice is still kind of gross, as you'll probably hear throughout this episode, and I'm sorry you have to deal with that, but just deal with that. Um, (laughs) But I've been wanting to talk about Olympics, and then when I came back for uh, episode 39 last week, excuse me, as I came back for episode 39 last week, Uh, I totally forgot to talk about Olympics and I mentioned it in the title and everything and I just spaced it. So today we're going to talk about some in-depth Olympic action and uh, the feel-good stories that happened there uh, for the 2018 Winter Olympics in Pyeongchang, South Korea. So let's jump into it. The Olympics. I don't have a transition for the Olympics. I wish I did. I'm not that quick at making an animated video i'm sorry but (laughs) let's just start talking about it i mean the olympics just finished up a few days ago on february 25th they had the closing ceremonies and uh the the tallies are in for who won in terms of medal count how many of which kind and what sport and all of that so um it looks like norway took the number one spot with 39 total medals 14 golds 14 silver and 11 bronze man that's a lot that's a lot of gold uh germany was in second with 31 so norway was eight medals ahead of everybody else that is insane um but germany had 14 10 and 7 and then canada was in third with 11 8 and 10 and not far behind okay a little bit way of a ways behind them was the United States of America in the number four spot. We had nine gold medals, eight silver, and six bronze, totaling twenty-three medals on the year. That is pretty lit. I mean that's a that's a lot of a lot of medals. I feel like the US is always in the top for Summer Olympics. Winter Olympics not so much. There's other countries out there who know how to uh they, they can navigate their way through some snow and through the ice, you know what I mean? The US um not so much. <laughs> I mean, still fourth place though. It's a lot better than a lot of other countries can say. But, um, one of my favorite things about the Olympics is just the fact that it's all of these teams coming together from all different countries, obviously different walks of life, different kind of political climates. Um, and we're all coming together in one big event of competition. Um, I don't think it gets any better than that. You know, I mean, obviously other countries don't have the talent pool to, to bring the best teams to the table, but the fact that everybody, or at least a vast majority of the countries in this world are able, are able to participate. I think it makes for a really cool event for every country to be able to watch. Obviously it's the most watched in in the United States. We are very proud of our Olympians to get to go and compete in this uh, international event. Um, but it, it's just really cool because you. I just imagine as an athlete in the Olympics, you go and travel to this other country where you don't know your way around. You don't know anybody except for the teammates you traveled there with. And uh, a lot of the time, you you probably are not able to understand people because they speak different languages. And so it's just a huge outer body experience, I would imagine. And uh, there's I, there's probably nothing like it. Um, one day, I kind of, you know, I wish, I hope that I can attend an Olympic event, um, you know. I've Hopefully, it's in the United States. And I'd be able to go there and cheer on my country. But um, even if it is abroad, I'd be down for that too. Obviously, it's just a lot of money. <laughs> you got to pick the event you really want to go watch. Like maybe, like for me, it would be the men's basketball and Summer Olympics for the gold medal. Um, they're always in the running for the gold medal. I mean, there's a lot of good international teams out there, but the U.S. is definitely the talent hub for that sport. I mean, international players come over for basketball to play in the NBA. And so um, that would be a really cool one to watch. You know, maybe I'll get to watch the next dream team who knows, <laughs> um, but the winter Olympics are over, but there are a few uh, really cool stories that I think came out of this year's Olympics that uh, you know, in previous years, I'd, I never really paid attention to much to the winter Olympics, you know, four years ago, 2014 i was just graduating from the u of i um and then that next year i was looking for jobs and stuff so i mean i didn't really get a chance to pay that much attention to the winter olympics in 2014 that's so crazy i was four years apart between winter and winter summer and summer but one of the first stories i want to talk about is this kid named red gerard his name is red he has red hair um that's just a fun fact (laughs) But this kid is a USA snowboarder. He was born in the year 2000. Okay. <laughs> um, he is of the Tide Pod generation, if you will. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I, I have to say that I, I cannot, I can't hastily generalize all kids from a younger generation to be doing the stupid things that kids in that generation are doing. So I take that back. He's in the Tide Pod generation. I'm not saying he ate Tide Pods. And, okay, you know what I mean. (laughs) Brad on Facebook says, the curling was awesome. U.S. men got gold. That's correct. I'm going to talk about them a little later and uh, in detail too, which is something I never thought I'd say. Going to talk about some curling in detail with some people today. Uh, But we totally are going to do that. Uh, So, yeah, this kid, Red Gerard... Oh, crap. I don't want to close out of that. Let me bring that tab back. Okay. Red Gerard, born in the year 2000. Kid's barely, he's not even 18 yet. He's 17. He'll be 18 in June. Uh, out of Silverthorne, Colorado, he is five feet, four inches tall and 116 pounds. Dude is little, but obviously he's, he's a youngin'. He's a young blood. But the crazy thing about this kid is that he was heavily recruited at a young age. Um, I mean, he, was, he basically was snowboarding all his life as he was little, didn't have a coach until he was 13, and then by the age of 15, according to NBCOlympics.com, at just 15 years old, he was already landing backside triple cork 1440s, whatever that is. Uh, it's a lot of spinning, okay? Uh, one of the most difficult slope-style tricks at contests so he's a slope style snowboarder. What that means is they basically go down in like a downward hill and there's a bunch of jumps along the way. And they, they I think there's like three big jumps, maybe four, and uh, they try to land what they can off of that. So it's a little, um, you can choose what jumps you go off of. And I think there's some grindage too. You can grind on some, some, some grindage. <laughs> I don't know what you call it. Oh man. There's rails you can grind on. There we go. That's the word I was looking for. Um, but he was doing some pretty good stuff at the age of 15, apparently. Uh, but he qualified back in February of 2017 for the Olympics. And, uh, what do you know? He took gold in slope style. Um, one thing that I thought was funny is, uh, you know, you know how like they try to keep the mics hot, um, when these, these athletes are competing because it kind of captures the raw element of what it's like to be there. Um, that can be good, you know, for the experience of the viewer on television, But it can also be bad for um, live television because this kid is, you know, he's like 17 years old. I imagine there's a lot of kids that look up to him now because they saw him at a young age succeed in an international event. And he's on camera and he's just like dropping the F-bomb like crazy. (laughs) Uh, He's like, holy F, man, I can't believe this. Holy effing F. (laughs) And the camera is just catching everything or the mic was catching everything. So I got a kick out of that. I'm like, he's just, he's a young kid. He's caught in the moment. I mean, one of the things they say in in the reporting business is like, I mean, well, not I mean, they don't say this, but you catch reporters putting a mic in somebody's face right after a big win or a loss, and a lot of times they get pretty crazy interviews because they're just, like, caught up in the moment. Um, like when Stefan Diggs got interviewed after that catch to beat the Saints to go to the Super Bowl – not the super bowl to go to the conference championship and In his interview it was just like one of those more awkward ones that he just walks away from. He's like, I can't do this, man. I have too, I've had too much. This is wild. Uh, but it was like that. I mean, this kid's just like, Holy effing f effity eff, eff pants. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there laughing like, Oh man, I, I'm watching the reruns on like Hulu or whatever. So I'm like, you know, I wonder if NBC got that stuff corrected before it came through the wire. Um, but I do love that raw element. I don't mind the cursing. I think it adds to it for me. Because I'm just like, yeah, he's excited, man. He's expressing his emotion. He's got attitude. I, I like that. Um, but that's Red Gerard. Keep an eye on him in the next Winter Olympics uh, in 2022. Uh, moving on to the next story of the Olympics. Um, and while you guys are listening, feel free to shout out your favorite moment from the Olympics. Let me know what you think. Um, what, what part of the Olympics had you in goosebumps because i feel like that happens a lot with these international events like this when you have pride for your country and you want you want to see your people succeed um i know i do i get goose goosebumps all the time or goose pimples as european people would say uh on to the next story of course we got to talk about sean white this dude uh came into the olympics having won already two gold medals in the um the half pipe competition and apparently, I didn't know this. I don't know how I didn't know this. I don't pay enough attention to these types of sports. But uh, apparently, he won a lot of medals in like, like as a, a skateboarder as well. Because I, mean, I mean, the sports I imagine do translate over a little bit, and a lot of the tricks are named after skateboarding tricks, um, which I have to say is one of my favorite things. Uh, Brad on Facebook says women's hockey. I agree. That was a pretty awesome moment. I'll be talking about them in a moment as well. Um, definitely a good choice um but i mean as the my my favorite thing with the half pipe competition is as the commentator is talking about um the tricks that the snowboarder is doing he's he's like educating the viewer on where the names came from what it means to do a um i don't know a corkscrew <laughs> uh and an eight eight a 1080 corkscrew back grab i don't know they have some weird terminology but he educates the viewers on on what is happening and why it's called that and whatnot so that is pretty cool to see um but going back to sean white this guy he came into the olympics with some like like sexual harassment accusations on his name and uh I'll get to that in a minute, but he came in with that kind of, like, media pressure, and, you know, obviously that's not something that you want to just sweep under the rug. You want to make sure it gets handled, and his situation was handled uh, coming in to the Olympics this year, um, but it came down to his last run to get the gold if you didn't see it, and this this kind of shows you, like, the focus and the, the like, just, like, the mental endurance that it takes to to compete at a high level like this but he was going up against this i think this other snowboarder who took silver is from japan kid was kind of like red gerard honestly he's really young he's like you know like five and a half feet tall like really light makes you wonder how we can get so much momentum to get like 20 feet up off off the half pipe ground, uh, flat ground but uh Sean White put up a dang good run. He threw his helmet into the crowd, and he's like, oh, I'm going to need that back. I still have a run to go. And not long after that, the Japanese rider came through and had a better score than him somehow. And so Sean White had to come through. Sean White also fell on his first run, so that kind of takes that one out of the question. But his last run, he comes through and nails every single trick he was supposed to hit, and he takes gold in a clutch last run. I mean, just imagine when they're sitting up there getting ready to go down here and then like go 20 feet in the air and do all these tricks. They're visualizing in their head, like what kind of motions they need to do. Like you see them like doing like this dance routine almost like, and it's really that just them like helping themselves visualize the motions they are going to be going through in the air. Um, and, and the order they have to do it in so that it has like this wow factor to it. Um, but while they're up there getting ready, they have to have all that in mind, plus be paying attention to uh, making sure they actually get into the half pipe, half pipe correctly. But then again, these are like top notch competitors who've been snowboarding all their lives, so um, going up and down into a half pipe is probably like um, it's like a cakewalk for them. For me, I'd probably kill myself. Uh, <laughs> but uh, anyways, he comes back with a clutch gold win. And that was pretty cool to see because he's Sean White is sort of the face of snowboarding for the USA um, over the last several years. Um, So congrats to him on that. And then immediately after that, like, you know, he's got his snowboard in in his hands, he's got his gloves, his helmet, and everything. He's carrying the US flag. And on his way to the podium, uh, apparently the flag was touching the ground and he was just trying to get all of his stuff together. And apparently social media lost it on him. Like he's dragging the flag. What a disrespect to the United States of America. Oh my gosh. Um, and I, when I see that, I'm like, okay. And and I heard this on ESPN radio and stuff too. And this is, this is very much how I feel with something like that, where the flag is getting dragged on the ground. Uh, intention goes a long way. And I think that way that goes for a lot of different things. You know, like, uh, when somebody's going about their day and they act, they do something not knowing that somebody is right there, they, they didn't see them and it hit like say they like they push their shopping cart or like they're pushing their shopping cart and they're looking this way and they run into somebody. It's clearly an accident. That person didn't intend to run into you, but people will still get mad. And I understand maybe it maybe it hurts to get ran over by a shopping cart, but it the person didn't mean to do that. I mean, you would know if they meant to do that. And so the the same, a similar thing goes with the flag. I mean, obviously you have to be paying more attention. You know, you don't want to let your flag drag on the ground on purpose or, you know, or at all, you know, you don't want that to happen. But if it does and you didn't intend for that to happen, clearly it's not a disrespectful move. It's like maybe a careless move, but he didn't intend for that. He clearly loves his country. He said so a million times in the interviews and, and, uh, sh- you know, shouting out all the support from the fans and everybody back home. So it's all about intention with that kind of stuff. In my opinion, let me know what you think in the comments, but, um, clearly Sean white has no intention of dragging the U S flag around when he's competing under that name. Um, the fact that it happened, you know, that kind of sucks, but everything, everybody lives and we're fine. So, um, that's, that's just my quick opinion on that. um, but then the first thing that happens when he gets to his media interview is this this reporter asks him about the sexual abuse or sexual harassment allegations, um, which apparently he sent a, a bad photo to some girl and she didn't ask for it. And so it was deemed as abusive or something like that. And I don't know the whole situation, but that's what I've heard. Um, and so that was the first question that got brought up. And he just kept saying, like, I'm here to talk about the success of the medal today. I'm not here to talk about that. That situation has been handled, you know, that it's been dealt with. So let's not talk about that. We're here to talk about something else. And even that got more backlash, like, Oh, of course it's relevant. We need to be talking about this right now. But, uh, very interesting stuff, you know? Um, but that's Sean white, everybody. He got another gold medal. Congrats to him. And, um, you know, a, if he dealt with that situation and every he's, he's clear, clear of conscious and everything. I mean, let's, let's move on from it, but it is an important tarnish to his name. Um, moving on to USA women's hockey. So I don't know if you heard this, but the women's American hockey team took the gold medal this year. Uh, the first time in 20 years since the women have done that. Um, now that's a pretty cool moment. I saw an interview with a few of the girls from, from the team where they were talking about like what, what these Olympics mean to them and, and, uh, why it's important to them and all that. (coughs) And they all obviously had some pretty, um, deeply rooted things to say about that. Like, you know, it really means a lot to go out and support your country in an event like this, um, among other countries who are some of the greatest players in that certain sport, in, you know, hockey. Canadians are obviously up there, Germans are very good at hockey as well. <laughs> but pretty much what these girls were saying in this interview is that, uh, I mean, a lot of them are at that age on the team where, the team the women's team that won it twenty years ago back in nineteen ninety eight, these girls were watching that that gold game and when the US women came out on top getting the win, they it sort of like idolized that team or those those players for these young girls at the time. And so here in twenty eighteen, these girls who got to see the the American women go and win it twenty years later have sort of this chip on their shoulder to want to go and win win gold again in you know, in light of that moment that, that inspired them to be what they, where they are today uh, in competing with hockey. And th- that's one of those moments that kind of gave me the chill because chills, because I think everybody has like a, an, an idol that they look up to as a kid or somebody that they want to be like, or somebody they want to be as successful as. And when you get to that moment, I could only imagine what that feels like. You know, you've uh, put all, put in all the work to get there and, you've gone through different teammates with different teams and, and the team that you happen to have that wins the gold medal. I can't imagine what that feels like. And, uh, those, those ladies will have something special to remember for the rest of their lives. That's really, really cool. Um, and from what I heard that, I mean, I didn't get a chance to watch the game. I watched the highlights, but, uh, the women won it in a shootout, which is pretty wild, even more intense because, uh, get this the goalie for the women's hockey team is 20 years old imagine the pressure on that girl like she's 20 years old at 20 years old i didn't even know what i i didn't know what i was going to do for my living and she's out there like you know defending goals for the women's hockey team in the olympics and then eventually taking gold because of her saves like give that girl a raise give her give her a big bonus dang that's that's wild um but it's Stories like that, like that 20-year-old goalkeeper that girls are going to be looking up to now, um, maybe 20 20 years down the road, maybe, you know, hopefully less. Hopefully women take the gold more than that. But um, the important thing to learn from this story is that a lot of young girls who um, don't think that they can make it in a sport that is um, highly uh, populated with men uh, can go on and do big things like that at an international level. So that is a really cool story and congrats to the US women's hockey team. That is friggin' awesome. Um and on to the last story about the Olympics. That's right. It's the USA men's curling team. <laughs> um or as I like to call them uh where's my where's my name for them? Just a bunch of American dads. That's that's really what they are. Uh they all look like that generic American dad bod look. Um and I love it. Especially the dude with the mustache. I think he kinda of takes takes the show. Uh with his, his pants and his nice shoes tucked in polo and the hat that just says USA on it. Mustache chewing gum. Like that's like a dad in your backyard grilling. You know, that's what he's that's what he looks like he's wearing. <laughs> uh uh <laughs> Andy Bauman on Facebook says, that was awesome. I agree with you. Alice says, Yay! she's excited to be here welcome to the show guys and girls uh <laughs> gotta be gender neutral you know what i'm saying uh <laughs> hey andy i'm gonna be talking about some bowling here in a little bit uh look forward to that um i'm gonna get i'm gonna talk about why i sucked and how i didn't handle it well <laughs> uh yeah brad uh, on facebook says almost like bowling huh or giant shuffleboard Yes. Curling is basically giant shuffleboard on ice and it's kind of like bowling and it's kind of like golf in the same sense that your muscle memory has everything to do with your success. Um, but in this case, I, I guess you could call it more like a shuffleboard mixed in with like croquet and bocce ball. You see where I'm going there? Cause you're sliding a thing down a thing that's shuffleboard. And then the, the, the croquet is that you're knocking this other other team stones out of the way to get to the goal, and then bocce ball is like you're trying to get it closest to the center or closest to the ball, which is in bocce ball it's a ball. Uh, yes, it's a combination of a lot of different things, and I think that's what makes curling so cool. It it allows people from a lot of different areas uh, with from different lawn games and and bar house games uh, they can, they can rally around a sport that their country's competing in. <laughs> So, congrats to, or shout out to, uh, curling for being a diverse sport and touching a lot of different fans, uh, from all over the place. Like horseshoes too. Yes, kind of like horseshoes. Now we're getting out of hand though. That one's off the ground. Everything else is on the ground. So that one's out of the category. But these all-American dad dads on the curling team, um, their rise to gold was really interesting. I heard this story on ESPN Radio, and I'm, I'm going to share it here because. Um, I feel like not a lot of people listen to ESPN Radio anymore, and I just started, and I've been passively gaining this crazy knowledge about all these different things about sports. So, here's the story. It's going to be a pretty short one, so don't get your hopes up. Um, basically, uh, after the 2014 run, like I think this is the same group who was in 2010, 2014 curling for the Winter Olympics. I'm pretty sure. Um, but after their 2014 run, basically the the committee was like wanting to get away from this group of players and bring in some new talent. And so these guys, like, they, they, they're they basically getting phased out. And so they decided to call themselves the Rejects, and they put their own team together to go compete in uh, competitions. They're from, like, Minnesota. Apparently curling is huge there. Um, I mean, these guys were in their award ceremony. They were getting emotional when they saw video footage of their old their facility back in uh, Minnesota. Um, There's like a huge crowd there. Like all these people probably play curling every single day. It's kind of weird, but (laughs) uh, it's not a thing in Idaho Falls. I can tell you that much. At least I'm not in that scene if it is, but uh, these, these guys, uh, they called themselves the rejects because they were getting phased out to bring in new talent for the American team for curling. And as the rejects, they, they kind of worked their way up to the top ranks in the country and, and then eventually got to compete in worlds and they made a good playoff run in the world competition at curling. And at that point, the pe- the committee who was sort of like tried phasing them out was like, you know what? We were just kidding. We want you back. And so they brought them back in and these guys are like super humble. They, uh, I heard an interview with one of the guys on the radio and he was saying that, you know, he, he can't go, uh so far as the disrespect the people that got them where they got them where they are like sure that first year after being um told to go they formed their own team and they definitely did make it by themselves to the top of the ranks and then with the help of the USA coaching staff and the people who brought them back on board they wouldn't be able to be in the medal competition like they were this year so they are very humble in saying like yeah we we put in the work to, to get that call up and we took advantage of that call up and took gold and everybody is all the happier for it. So um, pretty cool little story about curling. I mean, it's obviously a competitive thing and it's a part of these guys' lives. They've been doing it for a long time um, from what I heard in their interviews. So um, shout out to the USA men's curling team for having such style, uh, such humility, and just being generally nice people. Uh, <laughs> that's about the best way I can describe it. Um, but I've heard of on the radio and on Twitter of a lot of different conversations, uh, saying that these American curling guys are going to get some endorsements after the performance they put on in the Olympics this year. And, uh, Golic and Wingo are putting out suggestions on Twitter, like asking for suggestions, uh, also on, uh, um, the morning show thing with, uh, Stugatz. Uh, those guys were coming up with some pretty funny ones, but one of them was uh, they were saying that they should get endorsed by jock because they protect your stones. <laughs> and apparently, that is a a legit translation of terminology from curling into the jockstrap marketing business um, because you protect your stones. I mean, when the, when the 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 USA guys won the gold, the what were they the Swedes Swedish Switzerland I don't remember who they were but they would throw throw one stone out there and then they would put their other one right in front of it so that the American guys had to knock that stone out of the way to get to the other other stone that was in scoring position Um, and so uh, yeah jock straps protect your stones and I thought that was pretty great but I, I can't I don't know why, but my brain won't let me think of any visuals of what would go down in an in an ad for Jock Straps like that. That's just my brain can't go there. It just physically can't. <laughs> um, let's see. Andy on Facebook says their dad bods stood out to me. Also, we could curl. <laughs> You're right. We totally could. We we have the bods for curling. And then Brad on Facebook says Budweiser, them curling beers you know what? I have a better idea. Here's my idea. I think the curling team should get endorsed by Keystone because people who drink Keystone call them stones. Like, hey, pass me a stone. And some of their old marketing material, they would use that same phrase. And so, uh, uh, let's see. So when you say curling beers, are you saying like like weightlifting curling or like pushing beers down the ice? Because that's one idea I had. But the Keystone idea is pretty great because it, it could be like, um, here, pass me a stone, and they like are doing like trick shots to get the the beers to the guys at the other end of the ice. Like they could be just like, you know, like the bar slide that you see in a lot of commercials where they're like they like slide the beer the 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 draft glass of beer down the bar and it all stays in the glass. The person at the end catches it and they're not looking and they're just like, thanks, man. And then they drinks the beer. I think they could do something like that. But Keystone. Like Keystone Light. Key. How do you not know? Keystone. I guess their other marketing materials was material they used was this guy or this character named Keith Stone. uh, (laughs) Because it sounded like Keystone. Um, Keystone. You know that cheap beer uh, at the bowling alley. You can get six of them for six dollars. Uh, it's called balling on a budget or bowling on a budget, drinking on a budget, whatever. It's a budget cost effective drink. Okay. Gosh, that's what key is key light, <laughs> but I, I, where they like slide, they slide the beer down the bar, the bar top, but instead they're on the ice, like at a curling arena and they like have like this really slow drawn out thing where they like slide the beer and it takes like the entire minute of the ad for the beer to get to the other end. And by the time it gets there he's already like pounded six beers and he's like, Thanks, man. Or something I don't know. There's so many different things you can do there. Like curling trick shots. And then they like maybe you put the beer on top of the curling stone and you push it down the ice. Um and whoever gets it closest to the middle, um, or the the person who's furthest out from the middle has to chug it. Like turning it into drinking games now man curling is the next big thing i gotta get a curling squad together i'm gonna go after these guys in the olympics 2022 (laughs) but you should totally uh drop a comment of your best uh suggestions for endorsements that the curling team should have what endorsements should they take up um try to be as clever and creative as you can think about curling stones American dad bods I see maybe that's where the jock strap thing just can't the visual it's just not I can't no it can't even it just can't even so speaking of thinking I have the ability to uh compete in in large sporting events uh let me do give you guys a recap on how the Idaho Falls City Bowling Tournament went for me this weekend, okay? People in the comments right now are probably thinking what I'm thinking, and that is that it didn't go very well for me, guys. It really sucked. Um, it started out okay. So basically the way this works, if you're not familiar, uh, for all you non-bowlers out there, I know there's a lot of you. Uh, <laughs> so I have a 164 book average, which... The way I see it, that means that uh, I ended the league last year with a 164 average. So I bowled my way up to a 164 throughout the year last year. And so that's my book average for this year. Um, and they use the book average for like competitive events like city tournaments and state tournaments. So I have a 164 average according to my, my book average of last year, right? Well, My average this year, right now, in the league I'm bowling in, is 150. So that tells you how much worse I'm bowling than last year. At this point last year, I was probably at like 157 or 159, you know, inching my way up to the 164 mark. Um, So I went into the Idaho Falls City Bowling Tournament with a higher average than I'm used to bowling with. uh, And these things cost money, you know which I don't know how much I owe yet. We had somebody sponsor both the teams, and so I need to find out how much I owe those guys. But uh, in this tournament, we bowled teams on Saturday and then doubles and singles on Sunday. So teams, there are five people. Uh, So it was me, my brother Michael, my friends Andy, Joanna, and Shane. And Andy here is actually in the comments. I've mentioned him a couple times. Um, And the way this works is it's kind of chaotic. I mean, we, we are taking up like more than half of the bowling alley and you know, we're all crammed into like 12 lanes and there are five teammates per team. So that means there's like 10 people per set of lanes. So that's a, that's a pretty crowded environment. A lot of people bumping around and, uh, some teams weren't, weren't as fortunate as me and I, I got to bowl uh, get next to people that I know. So that was pretty nice. Um, But, I mean, not that I'm, like, an antisocial person. I could have dealt with that. But, so us five uh, started out, and I was feeling pretty good to start the weekend, you know? I'm, like, I actually had missed bowling the night before because I went to Pocatello to watch Caltron perform in a dance performance, which was really awesome, by the way. Um, Congratulations to all those girls, and uh, great job on the show last weekend. I had a lot of fun. Um, And... Anyways, I started out teams bowling a 169, and one of my teammates would say, that is the best score you can ever have. Uh, (laughs) So I was like, hey, Kirk, I I bowled that just for you. And then I bowled a 191, so I'm thinking like, hell yeah, I'm bowling way over my average. Like, you know, 169 is 5 over, 191, that's like 27 over my average, so I'm feeling good. And then I bowled a 144, and... Even that game kind of like made me mad. I was like, "Oh, I was doing so well. I was like, it's relatively consistent, at least in getting bowling over my average." And then I bowled a 144, and that kind of made me mad. But the thing that I'm thinking about in my head too is, uh, there I I put money in brackets before I start bowling. What that means is I'm basically betting on myself to do well, so that I can win money if I do well. And I'm all, I love gambling. I love betting, but when I can bet on myself based on my skill, I I will do that every time because there's nothing, no cooler feeling than like putting money on yourself and then winning and being like, yeah, man, I'm good. (laughs) It's, it's a nice self-esteem boost, I guess you could say, but I put like it's like two bucks a bracket and a lot of people put money on brackets. So I put $20 in, I think I was on 10 brackets for teams and I bowled really well the first couple games. And you know, if you, if you are familiar with how a bracket works, um, obviously you're going against somebody and they, they randomize that, but you're you going bowling up against somebody. You don't know what their average is. You don't know what their handicap is. If they have one, um, and you have to beat that person and go on and beat the next person. And so, The best thing you can do is just bowl damn good all three games. And because I have a 164 book average, um, if I bowl a 164, I actually get a 205 um, with my handicap. So with the 169, I had actually bowled a 210. And with the 191, I bowled, oh my gosh, like a 240-something, 230-something. So that got me through the first two rounds really easily. Then the 144... Uh, plus my handicap put me at like 170 or whatever. Um, and that actually, I you know, I put 20 bucks in and I walked away with 26. So I was really stoked about that. Um, and then I go into uh, s- singles on Sunday. And, you know, I'm feeling pretty good from the day before. I won some money. I got there early. I had a cheeseburger. And I was good to go. <coughs> And I started out throwing a bunch of crap, like crazy splits on everything, like seven split. So I would get seven pins and then I would, I'd have to get a split to pick up the spare and eight split. I I would have like two pins separated. It's kind of hard to describe if you have to bowl to know what I'm talking about, know what numbers I'm talking about. Um, but like one, two, three, four, five, six. So, like, the 8 and the 10 pin, they're, like, not not on the same row. They're kind of, like, staggered. You have to, like, get that ball right in there to knock them over. Um, and uh, Andy on Facebook says, you took my money. <laughs> uh, sorry, man. Hey, you bowled a lot better the next, the next day, though, uh, unlike me. Uh, so, anyways, going into singles, I put all my money on myself again, just, you know, I, are, I go in intending to lose this money, so I'm just going to put it in. And if I win money, sweet. If I don't, that's okay. I pl- I plan on that. Um, and so for singles, I started out with a 163. And that's, you know, one under my average. I was kind of beating myself up about it. But then I bowled a 132, and I was like, okay, that's my lowest of the weekend. That really pissed me off. And I started, getting it, I started to get in my head a little bit. But then I came back and I bowled a 172, and I was still pissed because – You know, 172 is still only eight over my average. um, And I'm trying to win some money. And I'm also just like, I expect more of myself. You know, I get caught in certain situations where I get a good streak going of strikes and then I ruin it with an open frame or something. Really makes me mad. And it's kind of hard to get in my head and hit that reset button. Um, But I ended up with the 172. And uh, Joanna, (laughs) one of my teammates from the day before, she came over to me and she's like, you are... A lot less happier than you usually are, and I don't like that. What is going on? And I was like, I'm just mad at myself. I'm not picking up the frames that I should be, and and it's pissing me off. I don't know, I don't know how else to put that. And she's like, Well, get over it. You have another game to bowl anyways. Like you have three more games. Make it up here. I'm like, Well, yeah, but the singles brackets are ruined now, so I'm still mad. <laughs> so she's all trying to comfort me, and I'm just like, No, Joanna, get out of here. Get out of here. No, it wasn't like that. I was just like, I'm fine. I'm fine. And then she left. And I was like, yes. Uh, that that would be Andy's wife, uh, actually. So uh, I don't know if he heard, heard that conversation when we were at the bowling alley. But I was just like, I'm not doing well. That's why I'm mad. Gosh, leave me alone. Uh, so then, basically, on Sunday, when you bowl singles and doubles, you bowl three games and then you, with no break in between, you just bowl three more right away. And I was already kind of pissed but the next game really had me seeing red. Like, I don't know how else to say it. I was so mad. I started off the game with a open, and then I got a spare, and I got another spare. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is all right. I can make this work. And then I opened every single frame almost throughout the rest of the game. Guess what my score was, guys. Take a wild guess. I know people in here already know, but... I bowled a 91. Not a 191, not a 291. A 091, 91. I was fuming. I was so mad. I mean, there were people a couple lanes over her making fun of this girl who was bowling on our lane because she bowled a 99. And then I bowled a 91, and I just shut up. I kept to myself. I was just like Nobody can hear about this. Nobody can know. <laughs> oh, excuse me. My voice is dying. So I bowled the ninety-one. <clears throat> I eventually told my friend Mike uh, a little later on, and uh, he's like, "Hey, how are you? How are you, bow- how are you bowling here in doubles?" And by the way, doubles. This ninety-one I bowled doubles with my brother. And he he bowled like a 170 or 180 his first game. I bowled a 91. He bowled almost double what I did, um, and we're on teams. So we basically shot. I ruined our any our any chance of winning doubles. That's for sure. Right out of the gate with a 91. But I, <laughs> uh, Andy says, "Oh baby," and then Alice says, "Ouch," and then uh, now they do. Yeah, now everybody knows I bowled a 91. But I. If I bowled that, I'm going to let you guys know. I mean, it's just part of the game, and there's something to be said about that, and I'll talk about that in a second. I bowled at 91, uh, and I told my friend Mike about this uh, because he was giving this other girl crap, and he was like, oh, my gosh, Kyle. Oh, oh, my gosh. Holy shit. I'm just like, I know. I know. He's like, well, hey, at least you didn't bowl as bad as Randy did a couple years ago with that 87. So I've got four pins over the lowest score we've ever seen in a city tournament. Uh, still doesn't make me feel good. Makes me want to like, become a pre- professional bowler and be better than everybody else in the world now. Uh, probably not going to happen, but uh, man, I was pissed. But after bowling the 91, I bowled a 168 and then a 166. Both very consistent games and just over my average. If I had bowled that all three games, we could be a little higher in the rankings than last for doubles. So that really made me mad. And and I, you know, I realized like when we were bowling teams, Joanna was actually getting a little upset because she wasn't bowling as well as she usually does. And, and I was telling her like about this thing about how Russell Wilson, when he throws like an interception or he has a bad play, he, he does like yoga and stuff and like mental training where he trains himself to like try to forget what just happened by like, pushing a fake reset button in his head i know that sounds crazy but it's kind of like one of those mind over matter things like something bad happens you channel that frustration into your mind and then you just say reset and you are back to new and the the idea is that your mind doesn't overcome your abilities and on the next time you get the ball or the next time you give it a shot and that's the exact opposite of what I was practicing myself. So I was telling Joanna this story and then I didn't practice that same thing um, when I was bowling in 91. I was just mad at myself and I'm like, okay, I wasn't going to have a beer today, but I need a beer right now. (laughs) And when I say that, I mean, I don't mean like I need beer as a vice. I mean, I need to stop thinking so much and just get over it and bowl my game. Having a beer will loosen me up and make me just like, Go with the flow a little more. And so I had a beer. It was a very effective beer because I bowled a 168 and 166. It did something for me. So there's some stories that you never thought could come out of bowling before. But, man, I have a lot of fun bowling. If I did, if it wasn't for bowling, I wouldn't get to hang out with some, other, some of my other friends um, nearly as much. I mean, it's really where my way of hanging out with them. And if, if I didn't bowl, I wouldn't see them at all. So, um, after this weekend, I was kind of like beating myself up and I'm like, I'm going to quit bowling next year. I'm paying money to do this and I'm not doing very well. And it's just making me mad. So I might as well stop, but I can't do that. I can't because I wouldn't get to see some of the people that I like to hang out with. So, uh, so you're lucky, Andy, I will be bowling next year. Um, but I'm going to come back better. I'm going to be better. All right, that's enough for the bowling action. I know that probably bored the crap out of some people. Uh, I feel like I at least make bowling interesting. I do have to say, uh, Mike, the same guy who was kind of giving me crap about the low score, he said that he tried looking up information about the Idaho Falls City Bowling Tournament. He Googled that phrase. And my article from last year where I recapped how things went was the second result. So... The moral of the story is well not the moral but the the sucky part is that I didn't give him the information he needed. He was looking for information for the 2018 Idaho Falls City Bowling Tournament and the link that he found of mine was didn't, didn't have that information. It was just an article for last year. So, gave me an idea. Maybe I should start uh, putting up like local city sporting events and like the schedules and how you can get involved so that people can find information through Abstract Sports. Helps promote local community sports, gets people involved in the community. The more link ranking we can have in that area, the better. I think that's a good idea. So, let's talk about some basketball. (coughs) Let's see that again. Wow, that is beautiful what a butte! <coughs> excuse me
1: <clears throat>
0: my voice is really starting to kick my butt right now so we're not going to actually talk about nba action i'll probably get into that a little bit more um, since the olympic season has passed uh, but right now let's talk about some college stuff there's a lot of stuff going on in college sports uh, but i'm going to start off by recapping my uh, trip to pocatello to watch the vandals take on the Bengals. Um, at the Reed Gym. Um, I have to say, you know, I'm from Southeastern Idaho, and I never make it to Pocatello. And I had gone to Pocatello Friday night for Kelly's, Keltron's dance performance, and then I went over there again. Wait, no, wait, I got it backwards. I went over there Thursday night for the basketball game, and then the next night for Keltron's dance performance. So I got to know Pocatello really well in that two-day span, and I think I should go there to party sometime. Um <laughs> but with that that aside, Reed Gym where the Bengals play their home games is rather small. Um I understand they're, you know, a pretty small school. They're they not really known for their sports. You know, they're really big with nursing and stuff like that. Um you know, just like every other university, they have their thing. And theirs is nursing, not necessarily sports or anything else, but um <clears throat> This gym is, like, smaller than my high school gym. Smaller than really every other high school gym in Idaho Falls, including Idaho Falls High School, and that's not a very big gym. Uh, it's, the YMCA gym is almost bigger than this, except the YMCA doesn't have chairs. Uh, but the court, it's about the same size. <laughs> uh, but I will say their court is kind of cool. They've got, like, the the Bengal Tiger stripes in their key area. Um, really neatly done. Uh and it gets loud in there when things go good for the Bengals. I'll tell you what. So this game started out not good for the Vandals. Uh, basically, we trailed the entire game. We were down by about 10 points all game. Um, the Bengals could not miss a shot. They were hitting every single three-pointer. So these guys, <clears throat> you know, we, we've we shot the lights out. Like, Micah, you know, you guys know Micah. You know Micah. Micah the Wave, the seven-layer dip of the podcast. Uh He was saying that we've done that to teams where we will just go shoot the lights out of the gym and the other team has nothing they can do about it. We just shot better than them. Well, the Bengals did that to us that Thursday night last week. Um, They shot 16 of 27 from three. You know, that's well over 50%. And I can only recall two, maybe three of those three-pointers that were wide open or uncontested. The rest of them had at least a hand in the face, guys were closing out out on the three-point line to try and defend and the shots were just falling there's nothing we could do there Um, but to take it a step further Micah also pointed out that none of their bench players scored in this game do you know how ridiculous that is only the starting five players scored and to take it even further the bench only played 18 minutes it's also sad that they played eighteen minutes and didn't score anything. That's kind of sad. But we, their starters beat us. They, their starters, their starting guard played every minute of the game. He played all forty minutes. It was wild. But I have to say, with all that being said, you know I, I'm upset that we lost. You know I traveled to Pocatello to go watch us win, and we lost. And That sucks. But it's okay because we're still in the top. We're still in the top of the big sky, but like I said, we trailed most of the game. Uh, Victor Sanders, who's like our star guard, he's a—I'm uh, not sure where he's at on the all-time scoring list for the Vandals now, but he was number two, so he's—he's he's definitely a standout talent. Um, very athletic, he can—he kind of puts the ball on a string, gets between guys in traffic. Um, really, really fun to watch. Kind of dramatic when he shoots threes. He's always trying to get fouls called. You know, I don't have the most respect for that. Um, I know it's a strategy, but um, he hits a three to tie the game with like 12 seconds to go. And that was pretty wild. That was like the first time that we had cut the lead to zero all game, uh, at least from what I remember. So he hits a three to tie it with 12 and a half seconds to go or so. And then. They get the ball and they they go down, dribble around a little bit. Their guard takes a contested three, had a hand in his face, like like as the shot as he was elevating. Uh, I don't remember who it was. I think Sanders got his hand up in the guy's face like this. But you know when you're shooting, you're it's like muscle memory takes over at that point. If you have a hand in your face, you already see where you want the ball to go. Sometimes a hand doesn't really matter. That's why guys can make contested shots. But um. It was insane. He makes the shot, two and a half seconds ago. So we get the ball, we we inbound it, and Sanders fumbles the ball, loses it, couldn't get a shot up, and we lose the game. Kind of a terrible way to lose. You want to be able to get a shot off, but we didn't have any timeouts, so we didn't have a way of getting the ball up the court. We had to like go from other side of the court in two and a half seconds, hit the shot to tie it with a three, um, and uh, we couldn't do it. Uh, Joanna here on Facebook says, I heard you talking about me, FYI. I'll always try to cheer you up when you're grumpy, even when you want to, even when you want me to go away. Laughing face. So just keep on dealing with it. <laughs> Thanks, Joanna. You, you the best. Kind of. Just kidding. You're pretty cool. So, anyways, pretty tough loss for the Vandals. Uh, but things got even more interesting after the game. <clears throat> so. Keltron was in Pocatello that same night because she had a rehearsal for the dance show she was doing the next night and she was our ride. So we just kind of were waiting around the gym until she got back to us. So we knew where to go or um, when she was going to pick us up. And so we were just kind of hanging out in the lobby. They have some nice couches out in the lobby. Shout out ISU Gym, That was very comfortable. And as we're sitting there, I see Victor Sanders like walking across the gym, like towards the lobby and I was just thinking, like, you know, what am I going to say to him? Like, hey, good game, man. You Played your heart out. Good game. Well, he comes into the lobby, and I didn't see, but his dad was with him. Uh, according to Micah, his dad is very active. He's very vocal. During the game, he was, like, standing up on the on the sideline, like, behind the Vandals bench, like, yelling at the refs, like, berating them, just giving it to him. And I was like, who is this guy? He's like, oh, that's – I think his name's Luan Sanders. I think that's what Micah said. Uh, but he was, he's kind of like a mini LeVar Ball. I, ha- I had to say it. He's like a mini LeVar Ball. <clears throat> Excuse me. Voice is getting all weird. But anyways, I'm sit- we're sitting there in the lobby. We're just like flipping through our phones, you know, waiting to hear from Kelly. And Victor Sanders and his dad, Luan Sanders, come into the lobby. Victor Sanders is audibly crying. Crying. Okay. You can hear him like pouting out loud like <laughs> You know, something like that. He's crying. This this guy is not like a freshman, he's not 18 years old. He did suffer a big time to f- big time loss. Uh not big time, but I mean a game they really wanted to win. Uh and he's you know, he's a, he's a senior and he's crying. That right there shows you the type of competitor that he is okay? And I'm not trying to make fun of him for crying because when you're a big-time competitor, you want to win all the time. And especially games like this that's sort of like on your home turf where there's a lot of vandals in the house. You want to put on a show for your vandals. You want to get that get the vandals to win because there are people there that are supporting you and, and there's a lot of history there. So I understand that he's... I get the crying thing. I'm not trying to make fun of him at all, but I was surprised. It kind of caught me off guard. So you know, I wasn't gonna say anything, I didn't know what to say. And so he's like wandering around the lobby as me and Michael are just sitting there, like showing each other funny things on Facebook. And <clears throat> Sanders' dad just like he starts yelling like in our general direction. Like he's sort of like being like that that supporting father figure, which is really cool to see. Um, you know, kinda of like a, a mini LeVar Ball. He's very vocal about supporting his kids. But we're sitting there and his dad yells is yelling in our direction. He goes this is a true vandal right here man he put his heart out on the line for you guys the guys in the locker room they're in there laughing he's crying man he he took this one to heart for you guys like and i just like i put my hands up I'm like hey man it was a good game like that's all i could say I'm like it's a good game and then he was like cutting me off so i couldn't say anything so weird like i did not know how to handle that situation it's not like i was a like fanboying or anything and be like oh my gosh it's Victor Sanders and his dad i can't express myself no it was just awkward i was like i tried to say like it was a good game like you did your best i mean they shot the ball really well there's nothing much you can do there it was all contested you know the the stats will show that all of their starters scored that doesn't happen uh but sanders is just kind of like talking to his dad like saying if i had done this or if we had done that like trying to solve the problems right then and there um it seemed like he was clearly upset with his teammates for not taking the loss as hard as he did especially his dad but um it was a really interesting situation it kind of shows the heart of a competitor uh you know this game is you know Idaho versus Idaho State it's one of those games that doesn't happen very often for the Vandals and Sanders clearly wanted to get that win and so I felt bad for the kid but He's got a bright future. I mean, he, he is playing for the Idaho Vandals, so you have to take it with a grain of salt, but his stats are great, and this team has a great chance of going on and taking the tournament, uh, taking the, the conference tournament uh, in the next few weeks, um, next couple weeks, I should say, something like that. There's only a couple games left, and then it's tournament time. Uh, <clears throat> but if Victor Sanders or his dad or anybody that's, Close to the Vandals, or who was at that game? Just know Victor Sanders is a hell of a competitor. That kid cares about what he does. He clearly enjoys doing what he does, and I wish him the best. And uh, you know, with him finishing out his senior year healthy, and uh, we'll see what kind of happens in the offseason, See if he gets picked up anywhere, or maybe he'll play overseas. But I'm, I ne- I've never felt so uh, connected to the Idaho Vandals basketball team. I'm always watching the NBA, and it's just hard for me to keep up with. Uh, Micah, on the other hand, is very big about uh, Vandal basketball, and I can say that that's kind of rubbed off on me a little bit, so thanks to Micah as well. But Vandals, if you're out there, support your Vandals. Be sure to watch them during the tournament. Check up on the schedule for that. Um, That should be coming out very soon. You know what? Let me actually try and pull that up really quick. Um, Big Sky Tournament. Road to Reno. Okay. uh, Time left to event in Reno. Four days, 16 hours, blah, blah, blah. There's a counter for it. (laughs) Uh, So the tournament starts March 6th, guys. That's a week away. That is six days away, March 6th. First round. That is awesome. Big Sky Tournament. Let's see. Where's the schedule? Is there a schedule? Man, there's got to be a schedule. Where? What? Maybe they don't come out with the schedule until later on. Uh, Men's title game is on March 10th, 2018. That's for, well, that's both women's and men's, by the way. March 10th, 2018 is the title game. So that means over the span of four days, they're playing a lot of basketball. So watch out for that, Vandals. I know I'll be watching that. Me and Micah are, are going to be face glued to the TVs or our phones because that's typically how we end up watching the game. Um, man, I'm already at like over an hour up with this show and I have a lot more to talk about. So first, let me let me mention the big sky standing so that we have a good picture of what, what the Vandals are looking at going into this tournament. Uh, Michael on Facebook says, Ha, 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 losing your voice again. LOL. You know what? Yes, I am losing my voice. This is what I go through for you guys. I'm willing to lose my voice every week for you guys. It's a lot easier on me when Micah is here, but he's on hiatus until he decides to come back. Uh, He started his big boy job this week. Congratulations to Micah. A.K.A. the seven-layer dip of the Abstract Sports Podcast. Happy for him. It's a pretty cool improvement to the career. Um, so, Big Sky standings. Let me get through these links. Blah, blah, blah. Here we go. So, after the loss to Idaho State Bengals, the most crazy thing happens. After that game, every team in the Big Sky Conference was a game ahead of the team below them and vice versa with losses. So it was like at the wins column, if you looked at it, it went like 13, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2. And then the loss column went 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 10, 11. <laughs> it was really crazy. The odds of that happening are insane, especially because they're playing out of conference games. It's not like the games are evenly spread throughout the conference. Um, the odds of that happening are insane. Uh, but right now, as we are sitting, you know, with a Thursday game coming up, it's not a conference game, I don't think. Uh, Northern, okay, it is a conference game. Northern Arizona, they are the last team. They're in last place in the big sky. We play them on Thursday, the men do. Women player are playing them tonight, If according to my schedule here. Uh, they are. Let me check it. Women, it says... Says six thirty, but there's no score. Whatever. You're broken, ESPN. You're broken. But yeah. So right now it's sitting Montana number one with 14 and two conference play, 21 and seven overall. Idaho, go Vandals in the number two spot, 12 and four uh, in in conference play, uh, 20 and eight. So if Montana loses a game and we win a game. We're one game back, and then I'm not sure who we play for our last game or if there is another game. So something to keep in mind. But it goes Montana, Idaho, and then we just beat Weber State to take the second spot the other night. Um, Eastern Washington, Northern Colorado, Portland State, Idaho State. So they're like number eight, seven? They're number eight, seven. Montana State, Southern Utah, North Dakota, Sacramento State, Northern Arizona. Northern Arizona is 2-14 in conference, 5-24 overall. We play them on Thursday. Thursday. Where's where that? Uh, that's the March 1st. Guys, can you believe it's already March? That is wild. Yeah, we play them tomorrow, 8 p.m. Mountain Time. I'll be watching that one, that's for sure. Uh, so that's your Big Sky Conference standings. Looking forward to the Vandals, going to that tournament, putting some beatdowns on some teams, hopefully getting the title. That would be legit. Now let's talk about the big stuff. We're already over an hour into this show, and I don't care. My voice is gone. I still don't care. My nose is kind of stuffy. Still don't care. We have some stuff we've got to talk about. I'm getting more animated, too, as we go. I like it. Sorry for the noises. Oh. So there's some corruption going on in the NCAA. I'm sure you guys have heard. Um, to just throw some stuff out there, according to Sports Illustrated, here's a list of schools implicated in the NCAA basketball scandal. It says, More than 20 college basketball schools were implicated in federal documents taken from a sports agency college basketball corruption case, which reveal potential widespread NCAA violations. Some of the biggest programs and players in college sports are named in a Yahoo Sports report published Friday. It details that players details that players and sometimes family members received impermissible benefits such as cash, hotel rooms, airline tickets, and meals. A list of the schools included in the report are Oh dang it, Yahoo, stop. Alice on Facebook says Idaho women won ninety three eighty three. Woo! Thanks for the stats. ESPN wasn't working for me, so thank you for the shout. Uh, 93-83, Idaho women win. Woo, go Vandals. Love it. So the teams that are included in this report are some big ones, guys, like a lot of the big ones. Duke, North Carolina, Texas, Kentucky, Michigan State, USC, Alabama. North Carolina State, Seton Hall, LSU, Maryland, Washington. Washington. That would be University of Washington, UW, Texas, South Carolina, Louisville. That's the Rick Patino squad. Uh, Utah, Xavier, Wichita State, Clemson, Kansas. A lot of players come out of Kansas. Creighton, the team that won my uh, bracket championship via best logo last year, Creighton. Notre Dame, Vanderbilt, Virginia, and Iowa State. Those are some big teams. This is in addition to 10 people, including four assistant college football coaches who were arrested and charged with various corruption crimes. Wow. They always say, mo' money, mo' problems. That is so true. There's so much money in college sports. And when you're especially not paying the players, there's going to be some corruption to try and swing players' interest to go to a certain school. Whether you are bribing their family or you're bribing that player directly, or you are paying somebody to do it for you, there's so much stuff. That can go wrong, guys. Like, it's so bad. But here's one that really can't get any worse, okay? <clears throat> so the Rick Patino situation at Arizona, or Louisville, sorry, at Louisville, says the, the headline of this article from the News and Observer says, it's hard to praise NCAA, but punishment of Louisville was a ruling worth applauding. And that, you know, whatever, whatever, that sounds political. I don't want to get into that. So here's a line from this article, though, from Barry Jacobs, columnist columnist of the News and Observer. And this is just a few days ago, February 26th. <clears throat> as important as the nature of the violations, supplying recruits with sexual favors from professional escorts and strippers was the longstanding, well-organized nature of the practice and the denial of responsibility by Hall of Famer Rick Pitino, the man in charge. The head coach's ignorance rang hollow in light of a detailed 2015 tell-all book written by Katina Powell, the woman who provided the talent to teenage boys in a campus dorm. So this is one of those strippers who was using her services to try and persuade players to go to that college. And this is under Rick Pitino, the man in charge. This stuff doesn't happen willy-nilly. It's organized. No question that's pretty messed up not only are not only are you probably bribing players with money but you're also bribing them with strippers and sexual favors bro <coughs> get out that's one situation and then the, the one that came out recently was Sean Miller head coach of uh. uh Arizona. This is the same school that Sharif O'Neal, which is Shaquille O'Neal's son, the same school that he committed to several months ago. And since hearing that uh, Sean Miller was somehow uh, caught over a wiretap with the FBI promising a 100 k payment to try and persuade this player to come to the school, basically, that's basically what happened. Uh, After this news broke, Sharif O'Neal decommitted from Arizona, said he's reopening the discussions for um, recruiting and and, uh, teams to invite him in for a workout or a training or to go to school there. So, yeah, this is where things really start to get interesting because when you have this kind of corruption, people surrounding them, do not want to be affiliated with that wrongdoing. The same thing, like the same thing, goes for um, that stuff that's going on at. Uh, oh, geez, where's? Let me. Let me I want to get my facts right here. <coughs> Excuse me, Michigan State. That's where I'm thinking of, where the gymnastics coach was sexually abusing teenage girls uh, for who knows how long, um, 11 years or something like that. Messed up stuff. (laughs) I I can't, I just can't believe that. But like with that whole situation, there's a lot of people that are in line to get fired there. And the thing with that is that the university, their main worry, obviously they They will say that they worry about these girls and they want to make sure that their support group is there for them and and whatnot. But the the university is worried about this tarnishing their legacy and tarnishing their ability to recruit students to go to school there. Not to mention the boosters who give a ton of money to their athletic programs to make them succeed. But there's got to be boosters backing out, students backing out, athletes backing out. Same kind of thing is going on with this. Corruption stuff. Um, the people who are getting hit, like Rick Patino, Sean Miller, players are losing faith in that organization, and they are skipping town. They're going somewhere else, and that's good on them. That's a smart call. You don't, if you are a, uh, you know, a top prospect to be a professional NBA player, professional basketball player, you don't want your name to be a surrounding anything that has to do with bribes. People will try to use that to say. Were they bribed while they were there or something like that? So good call <clears throat> on Sharif O'Neill. Uh, I didn't make sure I say his name right. <laughs> Let me check. Let me check. Sharif, yeah, Sharif. But you have people leaving the university, people who are committing to go to that university, now backing out. So that really changes the picture on things. you know. And this is how college sports are throughout. You hear NBA players coming out and saying it. Uh, like, I mean, LeBron... He's a smart dude. He's had his eyes on the game. He's been around recruiting and stuff like that. But he comes out and says that it's corrupt. We all know it. Lonzo Ball. He was at UCLA for one year. None of this stuff happened to him while he was there. But he said, "We all know it's corrupt. Just make it legal and let's move on without everything." So he's saying, like, you know, let people bribe players or or let players take endorsements in the, their local communities to make some extra cash on the side. Uh, and that's a whole other discussion we could have. We could talk about um, what if the players had the rights to make money outside of NCAA with endorsements and autographs, you know, using their name and their likeness to gain popularity and money, which seems fair, but the NCAA permi- uh, um, prohibits that. So, Where there's a lot of money, there's going to be corruption, especially when you're not paying the people who are giving you the recognition that's making you all that money, i.e. college athletics. Something's got to change. I don't know what it is, but I think a great start would be letting the players use their name and their likeness to make extra cash on the side. I think that's a great start. Freedom is a good thing in any way of the word, so let them do their own thing. Let them get that endorsement with that car dealership in Moscow, Idaho, Let them do commercials for that pizza place in Pullman, Washington. I think that's great for the community. I think that's awesome. But the NCAA permits it, as long as they are acting in good. uh, What's what's the word I'm looking for? In good vibes, (laughs) in in good nature, in good positive. What's the word? As long as they have good intentions and they're wearing the, the team logo, even if they're not wearing the team logo, let them do it. I think that's a great start and it takes away some of the issue of players not being paid and the schools getting all the recognition. It can at least out you know, tip the scales a little bit in the other direction. But that's my two cents about that. But with all of this in mind, with college athletics sort of in the in the woe things, you know, things are kind of like the public eye is on the NCAA and how they're such a corrupt thing. And they have been for years, but a few stories in quick sequence are really making it become national news quick. And it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger every time somebody gets hit, especially those top 20 schools or those 20 schools that were named in that report. That's a lot of big schools. So my question to you is in terms of college hoops, Do you think the JBA is going to become a viable option for these players? If you're not familiar, that one guy by the name of LaVar Ball, some people call him a genius, some people call him an idiot. I call him both. Um, He came up with this new idea called the Junior Basketball Association. If you look at their logo and their branding, it's eerily similar to the NBA logo where there's a silhouette of a player It's kind of in a rectangular box. They're using a two-tone deal. Um, And I think that says something about the way they're trying to go with this. The JBA or the Junior Basketball Association is essentially for the elite of the elite college basketball prospects or uh, higher basketball, if you will. It's kind of like the alternative to college for people who actually want to be athletes for a living. People who have futures as athletes professionally. So think about LeBron James. He came out of high school at the age of 18. He skipped college. He went straight to the NBA. He didn't have all that time to be able to learn from college coaches, uh, become a better human being and stuff, and, and
1: <clears throat>
0: be put up against that, hard, that tougher talent, and that's fine. He's obviously done well for himself. Congrats to the king on being the only player with – 30,000 points, 8,000 rebounds or yeah, yeah, rebounds and 8,000 assists. That's wild. Only player ever. But so imagine like college being like, you know, you go there to, I went to college to get a degree in graphic design so that I could know and have the skills to use them in a workplace outside of school where I can make money and pay off my student loans, which sucks because I had to take loans out for that. Most college athletes don't have to do that. They're on scholarship, right? Well, the JBA is kind of like a college, but for professional athletes or aspiring professional athletes. But the the elite of the elite, players who want to who think that their talent should be worth money right out of high school will play in this league. People like Sharif O'Neal, I feel like he would probably play in that league if it was a stepping stone for him to get to the NBA. That's where, that's the biggest obstacle with this JBA idea. <clears throat> sure, it all sounds great on paper being able to pay um, athletes to learn the things they need to learn before they go professional. <clears throat> that sounds great on paper, but they've got to build a large following. And it's just getting started. And with all this bad news coming out about the NCAA and how corrupt it is, if there was another option, they will go there, especially if there's money. Again, there's more corruption where there's money, but if you're paying the players and they're happy, it's better off than the NCAA. So then it makes me think like college basketball teams are going to open up. There will be more opportunity on college basketball teams for kids to play college ball who wouldn't otherwise get to because people are, you know, taking the route that all those people jumped ship on to go play in the JBA. So. I think the JBA is a brilliant idea. I think it's a good it's good for the game of basketball. It's expanding the interest, expanding the range in which you can get involved with the game. And it's also helping to harvest the, the elite talent. Who's to say international players can't come over and play in the JBA if they're good enough? You know, it's a whole different recruiting game. Except the thing is that you don't have to worry about an education. You can just worry about educating yourself about the game of basketball. So Pretty interesting stuff for you guys today. Um, keep in mind, March Madness bracket for the Abstract Sports thing is going down. Selection Sunday is March 11th. This happens. That's the day after the conference tournaments go down, uh, as I mentioned earlier. So if you are interested in getting involved in this bracket, there's going to be a a, a reward of some kind. and It's going to be free to enter. Um, let me know personally, and I will... Send you an invite personally. Let me know if you're interested with the, for that bracket. Otherwise, I will be sharing it on my social media accounts and everything. Um, <clears throat> and uh, and you guys can submit your bracket, and we'll see who wins. Whoever wins getting is going to get some kind of cool reward. I'm thinking anywhere from like a 50 to a $100 Amazon gift card. Got to get Keltron's approval on that one because um, it is coming up kind of fast. But it would be really cool. Um, and uh, – I can't promise how much it's going to be, but I want there to be a prize for somebody who gets the best score on a bracket. Cause it's pretty much random. Like anybody could win this thing. <laughs> you can think, you know, everything about college sports and the person who doesn't know anything will win it. So uh, stay tuned for that. Um, before I head out here, I want to say that I'm, I'm actually getting my, my personal website and my, uh, my personal social media accounts personal slash professional all put together. So feel free to follow me on your favorite outlet. I am on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Kyle clay design. That's K Y L E C L A Y D E S I G N Kyle clay design. And, uh, I share a lot of my design stuff there. I share a lot of, um, sports stuff there. And I just hope to use that more as an outlet rather than just blasting my personal Facebook feed. Um, So follow me on those outlets, but also don't forget to smash that like button, hit the subscribe button, like, and follow the Facebook page so you can stay tuned for the weekly episodes of the abstract sports podcast, uh, every Wednesday, nine o'clock Eastern time, seven o'clock mountain time. Um, shout out to everybody for coming through the chat today. It was great talking to you all, uh, really made for a great show. And I think we touched on some really good things. So, um, if you're listening to this on SoundCloud or YouTube after the fact, um, uh, let us know your thoughts on these certain topics and we'll we'll definitely share them before we start the show rolling next week. So um, be sure to let me know if you want to get interested with the blog or the podcast. You can write articles for the Abstract Sports blog or you can start your own podcast. Just let me know and uh, you know, send us an email at hello at com, and we'll set you up with your own branding, your own logo, your own show name, your own chapter, your own category on youtube and on soundcloud itunes all that if you feel like you can talk sports get at us we'll hook you up all right guys that's everything i've got for you stay tuned for episode next week nine o'clock eastern time here on facebook we'll see you then bye